Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy this sermon podcast. So we're starting a new series to begin 2022, and it's called Connected. And we're going to be going through this series for the next three weeks. And it kind of ties in with our vision and who we are as a church. And so as a reminder, here is our vision. I'll I'll put it on the screen for us. See, we exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. Now, the questions that we're asking, the questions that we want to begin every year with is, what does this vision mean? How does this actually play out? And why do we feel like Clarksville needs a church like Redeeming Hope that values the things that we value? And as I was thinking and praying about this as we are beginning 2022, uh, for me, it came back to this idea of connection. You see, human beings are drawn towards one another in relationships. We gather in groups by affinity, by culture, by our profession or vocation. And this pull towards relationship is actually what it means to be human. It's a key element of being human. And we see even statistical data that shows us that that when we live in healthy relationships with others, um, it actually statistically increases our our health benefits, right? There's lower inflammation, there's decreased effects of aging, lower rates of heart disease. And we even describe relational disconnect with the language of physical pain. Listen to these common terminologies. She broke my heart. He hurt my feelings. We use the the language of physical pain to describe disconnection with others. And it's really a strange paradox of being human to long for a connection with others, but yet be so challenged by it, to have such difficulty with it. And I think there are many reasons why this struggle happens, especially within a family of faith. But I think two that I'd like for us to talk about over this series, over these next few weeks, are the avoidance of accountability and the fear of intimacy. And this struggle extends to our relationship with God, to our relationship with the outside world, but specifically as it relates to our sermon today with the connections and relationships within a family of faith, I think there's an avoidance of accountability, a fear of intimacy. And what we see is that some within the context of a church attempt to have connections without accountability. So this could look like jumping in and out of friendships, jumping in and out of groups, a a lack of honesty about life's challenges, or maybe even quickly withdrawing from relationships when we're challenged or we're held accountable to following Jesus, right? So so people want connection without the difficult accountability that comes from authentic community. Now, some within the church want to have connections without intimacy, as well. So this could look like casual relationships or conversations which require no emotional exposure. Sometimes within a more traditional church context, this could mean over-intellectualization or academic Bible studies that really insulate us from having to share our life together, right? They just look at the facts of the scripture instead of actually sharing our life with one another. And sometimes even people withdraw into isolation when they're presented with opportunities to grow in relational depth, like joining a group or joining a team, or partnering together. So we find that people want connection without the potential for being hurt. 
But here's the struggle here, my friends. Accountability and intimacy, they're both required for true, authentic, connected community. And spiritual connections that are within a church context, they have to have these elements in order for them to be real and thriving. And here's the deal. Um, to, To help a collective church thrive and follow Jesus together, you have to have meaningful connection with others so that they have a permission to speak into your life, to hold you accountable to following the life and teachings of Jesus from from the scriptures. You got to have that. And what we also find is that meaningful connection with others has to involve the giving of ourselves and the receiving of others' selves. And that also includes the risk of being hurt as well, right? So it's got to involve accountability and intimacy. And what we find is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, helps us truly engage with a church family in such a way that we can have healthy accountability and brave intimacy. Jesus and the work of Jesus on our behalf allows us to have both. Now, the question is really how? How does Jesus' work on the cross allow me to have healthy accountability and, and brave intimacy? Well, here's the deal. When we look back and we see the narrative of the gospel, we see that we are incapable of being perfect, right? That we're actually sinners, we're broken people. And that Jesus actually becomes our perfection for us, that he stands in our place as our substitute. And so what what that means is that we can actually be challenged by others, that we can be challenged in a healthy way, in a grace-filled way. We can be held accountable to following the life and teachings of Jesus and fail in our attempts to do that and yet still experience God's grace. Why? Because Jesus has already been perfect for us. Jesus has done the work for us. So we can... So we can, we, can, we can acknowledge that we're sinners and yet we're also completely forgiven. And what we see is that when we struggle with accountability, what it really means is that we struggle to believe the gospel. We struggle to believe that we're sinners and that Jesus is the one who ultimately saves us. So we find too that when we pull back and look at how the gospel allows us to have brave account- uh, intimacy, what we see is that Jesus is ultimately who we need for relational stability that we can be exposed to intimacy. We can actually risk being hurt without being crushed if we are hurt, or rather I should say, when we are hurt. Why? Because I am safe and secure with Jesus and don't need to protect myself. Jesus is my protector. And when we struggle with intimacy, we're struggling to believe the gospel, that Jesus is both our healer and our protector. And my friends, all of this idea of accountability intimacy, family. It ties in with what we see being connected with one another, with God, and with the world around us, how that fits into our vision to be a family, to follow the life and teachings of Jesus unapologetically, and to help others find Jesus. And so this not only fits into how we view church, but it actually fits into how we view what it means to be human. You see, if connecting with others is what it means to be human, and accountability and intimacy are key elements of being connected with others, then Jesus' work on the cross not only gives us the freedom to be in healthy relationships, but it also gives us the freedom to be human again, to become more human as we engage with others, as we have accountability with others, as we have intimacy with others. We're becoming more like he created us to be. 
And so today, as we enter into this three-week series, we're beginning to talk about what it looks like to being connected with one another, and specifically as it relates to within a church family. Now, this idea of being connected with one another and church as a family comes from a very meaningful passage, actually, where Jesus is with with many people teaching, okay? He's in a house, and the house is so packed with people that no one else can get in. And that's when we come to these words in Matthew, starting at chapter 12, verse 46. It says, while he, while Jesus, was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside, asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So we see in this that Jesus is bringing in the language of family, a new family, a family of people that are following God with him. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago was Christmas. And over Christmas, our family went back to Maryland and spent some time with Rachel's side of the family. And every time I go to stay with Rachel's family, I'm learning that I enjoy another food that I didn't enjoy, uh, that I didn't like the year before. So uh, Rachel's family has some unique Christmas Day traditions for their breakfast. And so they have something called scrapple, which I will not explain what it is here. Just know when it is thinly sliced and fried to perfection, it is absolutely delicious. And I really didn't like it. And I grew up with my, my mom and dad eating scrapple, but I never liked it. But over time, I try everything once. And so over time, as I tried Rachel's family scrapple, um, I've liked it more and more to the point now where we bring back multiple pounds of it and cook it and eat it here. So, so that was kind of like last year's discovery that I liked scrapple. But this year, I discovered a new thing I like, which is called hominy. It's, it's a milled corn. It's like a maize type of thing. And, and it's served with butter and milk. And it's put over a, 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 a slow cooked over a stove for like an hour. And it's served like grits. And again, like I said, I try everything once. I tried it again this year, but for whatever reason, because I've been trying it over years, and maybe it was they put a little bit of extra butter in it, which by the way, butter makes everything drastically better. Um, maybe it was just how they made it this year. I just absolutely loved it. So when we got back to Maryland, uh, I went out and bought some cans of hominy and called Rachel's dad from the grocery store and said, hey, what kind of hominy do you get? How do I make it? All this stuff. And I really quite enjoyed it. And what I find is, much like my, ex- my experience with Scrapple and hominy, um, I think many of us have had different and varying experiences with the church as a family. And most often it connects with how we grew up seeing the church. That just like Rachel's family grew up eating kind of the same things around Christmas time and I didn't, and I've had to re-explore those things and learn to like those things over time, I think that a lot of times our experience with the church growing up drastically affects how we interpret and experience the church as adults. And so what I find is that there's three types of people. People that have had positive experiences with the church, people that have had negative experiences with the church, and people that have had no experiences with the church. So for me, I grew up in a church context. I grew up going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, 
Wednesday night, every time the doors were open, my family was there. So when I think about a church, I get an image of my mind of white columns and a big Baptist church building and meetings and red carpet and sermons and choir lofts. And I remember running around this big church and playing hide and seek with my friends. And for the most part, I was insulated from the politics of church and and I had a positive experience. And so that might be some of your experiences uh, as, as, you're, as, as you hear about that word and concept of church. But some, and I'd say, say many or most, or probably if you've been in the church any length of time, almost all of us have had at least some negative experiences within a church. Some people have felt social pressure, right? To wholeheartedly, blindly believe every single thing that the church says without ever questioning it. There's a social pressure that causes deep hurt. Some of us have felt that financial pressure where all a church talks about is money, and most often that's when a church is growing or when a church is dying. Some of us have experienced deep hurt and abuse from the concept of of church, from being a part of a church. Um, the unaddressed either sexual abuse or leadership abuse or or pastors being heavy-handed or even encouraging others to be heavy-handed as well. There can be drama, infighting, politics. Some of us were damaged by a lack of authenticity and just surface-level things where where the brokenness was was hidden. And, And some of us have even been damaged by a lack of accountability or lack of intimacy. And maybe this has soured you from connecting especially connecting with church and the idea of church as a family. Maybe it's made it harder for you, or maybe it's even made the concept of church hard to even grasp or consider. Maybe it's even affected whether you believe God is real. And I want you to know, if that is you today, that is completely understandable. It makes sense. And I want you to know that Rachel and I know intimately what it's like to be hurt by a church. We've been serving uh, in a church context for, for over 10 years. That's been part of my job for almost 10 years. And so we know what it's like to be hurt. And it can take a long time to heal from that. And, and being in that healing process is okay if you are seeking the healing, if you're seeking Jesus, if you're seeking growth. And so I want to encourage you, if that's you, that Redeeming Hope is a safe space for you because many people who had been a part of the church in the past that now come to our church have experienced that hurt as well. Now, for some of you that might be watching this or maybe have have shown up to our church, you you might have no church experience at all. Maybe you just went, there was a wedding or a funeral, and when somebody says, you want to come to church with me, it's like saying, hey, do you want to go to a bingo hall? Well, nobody goes to bingo halls anymore. Nobody goes bowling anymore, right? Well, most people don't. I like to go bowling. But most people, when they hear concept of church that have no church experience, is like saying, let's go play bingo. So the question I want us to explore today is, what if church isn't a building? It's not a meeting, a place for politics or hurt. But what if God tells us that his church is a living, breathing family that you can be connected to for accountability and for intimacy. And so our main point for today is this, that our church is not first an organization, corporation, or institution. We are first and foremost a connected family. When we connect like a family, everyone involved thrives and grows in the looking more like Jesus together. So three short points. The church is a connected family. The church is a connected family centered on Jesus. And finally, we're gonna look at the church as a connected family that is global 
and local. So first we see the church is a connected family. Now the Bible uses uh, many different metaphors for the church in the scriptures, a bride to her groom, a living home or temple. And all of these metaphors that, that the, the scriptures use are really powerful. But one that has affected Rachel and I the most is the church as a family, or how we are collectively members of God's household. Look at how Paul puts it in Ephesians 2 verse 17. And Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access into one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You see, Jesus and the New Testament writers see a a key and primary way of viewing those who follow Jesus as his family. And this was actually radically different than what we see throughout the scriptures up to this point. It wasn't historically like this. Jesus introduces it, and we'll see in a minute, um, Jesus talks about it back in Matthew, and we see Paul expounds on that in the text we just read. But going back to the garden, Adam and Eve were absolutely connected with God, with each other, with themselves, and even with all of creation. But we see that sin came in, disconnection came in, and distorted that connection to where Adam and Eve ran from God. They blamed one another. They felt shame within themselves. And they were even disconnected from the rest of God's created people. And the entirety of the Old Testament is God demonstrating how we can get reconnected with him. But it was part of that story was was through this nation called Israel. It was through a, a genealogy. It was through one specific people group that connected with God, that were, that were the primary point of connection between God and the world. And when we look, come to the Gospels, we come to the New Testament, we see that God expands this idea of family, of God's family, where it's, where it's beyond pedigree, it's beyond genealogy, where it actually is based on what God has done for us and our belief in Jesus. And that is the criteria for coming into God's family, not based on where or how you were born, but whether or not you believe in the work of God for you. And so we see in Ephesians 2, it says, we, we are members and of the household of God through Jesus. So we see that through Jesus, we have access to the Father into this new household, this new family. We are brought in by the work of Jesus to a connected family. So we see that we are a connected family, but this connected family is centered on the person and the work of Jesus. And this is how Jesus viewed himself. This is how Jesus viewed the will of God. This is how Jesus viewed this new family that he was forming. Let's read Matthew 12 again. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. So there's a person that came in that told Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside. And he turned to the man who had told him and he said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now he says that those who are part of God's family, those who are part of Jesus's family, are those who do the will of his father. Well, then we have to ask the question, what is God's will? What is the will of the father, right? Well, here's the deal. When you believe in Jesus, you, you accomplish the will of God for you. When you believe in Jesus, you are doing God's will. 
Look with what Jesus says at John 6. When they said to him, uh, a group of people came to Jesus and they said, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, or another way to say it, this is the will of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And Jesus is essentially saying, when you believe in me, you are doing the will of God. You are doing the work of God. You are accomplishing what he wants you to do. Belief is what makes us a part of God's family. This means that belief in Jesus is the center of our church's connection with one another. It means that it's not about our preferences, but rather our shared belief in Jesus that connects us together. This means that we can be around imperfect people. This means that we can make mistakes and have others even hurt us in the process, but we can still be a part of the family of God. That doesn't affect God's love or God's care for us because at the center of the church is a mutual connection with Jesus. It's saying that Jesus is the center of our connection together. This determines whether we are connected in the family of God or not. What we do with Jesus. Do we believe in him? Are we a church that is connected, that is a connected family centered on Jesus? But we see that the church is a connected family that is both global and local. And we see first the Bible says the church is a global, universal family. Look with me at Ephesians 1, verse 22. And God the Father put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we see that Jesus is Lord, he's king, he's conquering, and he is a king over a universal and global church. So when you choose to follow Jesus, when you choose to believe in him whom the Father has sent, in Jesus, that means that you become a part of a global, universal family that's been expanding over 2,000 years. So you're part of the same family, the same church that Paul was a part of, the same church that Peter was a part of, the same church that John the Baptist foretold about, the same church that Jesus planted. So you can go anywhere in the world and still be a part of the church. However, we also see the church is a connected local family as well. So we see all throughout the Bible, and we could just spend an entire sermon on all the different ways the church is local, but we see that, that we, the church in Jerusalem is referenced. We see the church at Antioch is referenced. We see Paul writing to the church of God that is at Corinth. We see at the end of Colossians, he says, give my greetings to Nympha and the church in her house. And churches, individual, local churches were being started all the time. Paul would go to a city, he would see people choose to follow Jesus and then a church family would form around that that he would then care for and help shape. And most of the New Testament is made up of Paul caring and shaping for those local churches, writing letters to them to give them instruction, to give them help, and to even correct errors that he had made or others have made as they planted churches. And so you can't meaningfully be a part of the church without being a part of a church. You can't be obedient to the commandments of Jesus by doing your own thing or just thinking church just isn't for me. My friends, there's so many commandments that Jesus and the gospels have given us that we just can't fulfill without actually being in community, being held accountable to one another and being intimate with one another. We can't accomplish what God is calling us to do within the concept of a local church. 
outside of a local church. We're called to stir one another up to love and good deeds. We're called to bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to help one another in need, serve one another, be under godly leadership, so many other examples. So what does it mean to be a part of a local connected family? Well, I think about our time back in Maryland a few weeks ago. Uh, when we visited Rachel's family, well, we stayed with, with her mom and dad and Rachel's brother, and we saw um, my, my sister-in-laws and brother-in-laws, and uh, we saw our family, and we did, some, we did some really key, meaningful things together. We ate together, right? As I mentioned before with the Christmas breakfast. And as I've eaten with Rachel's family, I've learned to appreciate them more and appreciate the meals that they make more. We celebrate together. We all got matching pajamas, okay? And we showed up on Christmas morning. There's a picture of us in matching pajamas together. We're celebrating Christmas and our family together. We're serving one another, right? So there's just a natural ebb and flow of, we're, we're not keeping a record of who did the dishes today and who did the dishes yesterday and who needs to do the dishes tomorrow. We just do them, right? Because they're there. We're cleaning up. We're serving one another. We're making the coffee for the next day. And we're also submitting to one another. We're asking each other's preferences. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? We're serving one another. And you can be a family and not talk or communicate. And you can technically be a family. But you can't be a connected family without being in relational proximity with one another, without accountability and intimacy. And if a connected family is, is a metaphor that we hold to as a church, then you can't be a lone ranger Christian. We have to be known. We have to be cared for. We have to be prayed for within a community as a connected family. And this is why as a church, we have discipleship groups. We meet together weekly where we're held accountable to follow the life and teachings of Jesus, where we're intimate, where we share our life and our struggles together and pray for one another. This is why over the course of this next year, we're emphasizing a Sunday morning gathering that gathers together. This is accountability for us to, to show up, to contribute in meaningful ways. Or if we say we're going to show up and serve, we do so. And we do so together as a family. This also creates intimacy. When you see people frequently, you just build a rapport with them. You, we get a sense that we're not just discipleship groups scattered across Clarksville, but we're together, one church family that's aligned, moving forward with a goal. And that means that when we serve together, sometimes our best and our worst selves come out and we can still be intimate. We can still care for one another and even forgive one another and give each other opportunities to grow in the gospel. So when we value the church as a connected family, everything that we do begins to make more sense. We eat together, we celebrate, we serve, we meet together, we have fun together. We submit to one another under godly leadership and qualified elders. We're a connected family on a mission that's part of a larger family of faith. It's part of the big C church. Now, as I mentioned before, some of us may have had good experiences with the church, right? Maybe you got to know Jesus in the context of a local church. You've made lasting friendships. You've grown as a person. Many of us have had bad experiences with the church, feeling social, financial pressure, abuse or hurt, drama, infighting, politics. And some of us have had no experience with the church at all. And to be quite frank, that's probably the easiest because there's no expectations and no previous hurt. But wherever you are today hearing this message, I want you to know that Jesus is inviting you into a new way about thinking about church, about church as a connected family that's not perfect, that's not flawless, 
but we're together. Where we eat together, we celebrate, we mourn, we serve, we gather. And we gather as a family that is united around a common belief in Jesus at the center and a common mission to help others find Jesus. And as we said before, our church is not an organization. It's not a corporation or institution. We are first and foremost a connected family. And when we connect like a family, everyone involved thrives and grows and are looking more like Jesus together. And that means that we're accountable to one another. That means that we're intimate with one another. And all of this, all of this idea of church as a family is, is accomplished with Jesus, not the church as the center. We don't come to a church because we've always come to a church. We don't come to a church because that's what our parents did. We don't come to a church because that's just what I've always done, what is expected of me. We come to church because we believe in Jesus. We believe in what he has done. And we believe he's called us together to partner together to move the mission of God forward as a connected family. He, and not the church itself, is the center of our connection. So thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. Just a few quick announcements as we end. You can connect with us on Sundays at the YMCA. I'd love to encourage you to show up at 10 a.m. at the Clark Solaria YMCA if you're local. And also, we have our 2022 Bible reading cards. These are reading cards that we've been working on, that we work through as a church. We read them together in our groups and we'll have them at the gathering on Sundays. And if you'd like one of these sent to you in the mail, you can just reach out to us. You can um, text us 931-326-4512 with your address and I'd love to send you one of these. You can also access all of these resources on our website, redeeminghope.org. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.